Welcome everyone, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. Uh, touch base with you just real quick. This is a recovery podcast in case the first time you're uh, tuning in. Uh, we focus primarily on 12-step recovery, although I do explore uh, other avenues of recovery. I know that uh, we do not have a monopoly on that. So, um, But today, uh, I have made a commitment at the beginning of the year to, uh, or the beginning of 2019 to put out new content every week and as luck would have it this week i didn't have a guest between and uh kind of uh plus i had an idea too so i'm just going to go with that let's do these commercials first though dtmww.net that's my little woodwork and handyman shop uh anything in the louisville metropolitan area that you can uh that i might be able to help with let me know you can go to dtmww.net and get a hold of me uh, a lot of places get a hold of me facebook this uh web this podcast has a uh, facebook page i have a uh, website spiritualunderground.org that supports this all that stuff has ways to get a hold of me if you want to 12-step spiritual recovery is a book by james christopher cone it can be found on amazon um, we've just changed locations for the tuesday or the thursday night uh juice box heroes meeting uh it's moving from unity church in louisville to uh the brook hospital there on uh, browns lane so if you're listening to that, this will only be like a very timely announcement starting in February. We've moved. But go out and get a copy of that book, uh, 12 Steps for Everyone, the Great Compendium, the Magnum Opus, the Maximum Prime version of the 12 Steps. So, oh, one more thing. Music. Darren Frank's music's right around this podcast. So uh, keep on praying for him as he uh, continues his road to physical recovery. He was uh, out and about Tuesday night as we celebrated birthdays at our home group. Uh, we had uh, two one-year birthdays, a three-year birthday, my five years, and another gentleman who just was in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, John, celebrated six years. And that's what I'm going to kind of talk about this week. I've been kind of wondering about doing a little recap on this five-year sobriety date. Uh, mile marker I don't really like calling it a milestone because uh, I don't think it's something that you like to stop at uh, it's a mile marker that you just keep on going past uh, as you hear all the time we don't graduate from this thing we're never cured it is a, uh, a continuous journey so I was going to talk about that a little bit and uh, it is huge for me to think of uh, where I started out well, in this time around, this particular time, uh, you guys have heard some of this stuff and, and know it, but it'll all come again. And, and if you haven't heard it, you, uh, here it is. In 2011, I hit my very first time where I thought I had a problem with this dope and booze. Uh, ultimately, looking back off of it, it looked like just a bad weekend. It really was not all that much of a big deal. But I did hit a wall, and my, uh, my then marriage was beginning to suffer as a result of it. Uh, pretty much everything around me was beginning to uh, um, be affected by my using. And I, and, I, and I went, you know, I found my way into AA. A doctor, I went to the doctor uh, and, and talked to him, or actually called him. And usually a nurse will call you back, and actually my doctor called me back and uh and I had been instructed to, uh, or been suggested to me by somebody not in the program that I should ask for a uh, prescription of something like Ativan or something to help me detox. And my uh, doctor, uh, who I'm very grateful for today, said, uh, 
I'm just going to be honest with you. It just doesn't seem like it would be a real good idea to give you some drugs for your drug problem. And he said, followed that up with, uh, I can't, uh, there's really nothing I can do to help you. And as the big book says, it sounds like the, it felt like the gates of hell slammed shut on me. I heard them clang shut. I had no idea about that phrase being in that book until later as I looked back at that moment. And he paused for a minute and uh, he said, but there is something that I can uh, suggest you do. And he said, I can get you a referral into a detox hospital. So I did that. I didn't want to. Uh, I, I called, made an, got my appointment made, went for my assessment. They wanted me to check in and stay for a week. Uh, I knew that the world would fall apart if I was gone for a week. And, and I told them how busy I was and that uh, I couldn't really do that. And, uh, of course, now I can think about just, I, I can think about the broken record player that is of people coming in there and doing that little dance of trying not to do the things that uh, are suggested of them. Uh, then they suggested I do an outpatient program if I couldn't do an inpatient, and I did that. And I stumbled around for a while, and I actually put a one-year token in my pocket uh, about approximately a year later. And uh, although I did not drink for that year, uh, I did dabble in some other substances. Uh, internally, I, it didn't count to me. Uh, wasn't anything I learned or was taught. It was straight-up uh, deception. I, I knew in my heart that, uh, that, that I was uh, not on the path. But we were in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I wasn't drinking. Things fell apart for me, and, uh, and I just kept on bouncing around. And, and I always say I bounced uh, down the halls and off the walls of 12-step of, uh, recovery, of Alcoholics Anonymous specifically, uh, for three more years for a total of four. Ended up uh, hyper-accelerating my alcoholism alongside of uh, using opioid pain medications. And uh, as my, one of my favorite speakers uh Earl H. says, uh, alcohol and opiates, he uses a couple other things, but uh, alcohol and opiates, those are a few of my favorite things. And, uh, and I couldn't do one without the other, and I couldn't find them. Uh, I'd ran out of doctors that would get them to me. I'd ran out of all, I'd ran through all my relatives' medicine cabinets and, and emptied out all theirs. And I began to go in other people's houses, uh, some that I knew, some that I didn't know, uh, but broke in their houses to begin taking medications, stealing them. Um, and, you know, it's funny because there was a super rush involved with that, and I can think back to that today of that adrenaline dump of doing that. It was almost like skydiving or base jumping or something like that. Um, it was interesting that, that how that, that high of doing it was a piece of the action for me. And then I got caught. And continued to drink and use for six more months as I went to court and uh, got told by the judge uh, that I was going to prison. It was just a matter for how long. Initially, they said six to 20 years. Um, that didn't seem like a solution to me. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I, I honestly did consider, uh, you know, doing taking my own life or doing something like that before I was going to go to prison. Uh, that just wasn't that just wasn't something uh, I was willing to do. Um, I don't know that I could have done that. I don't know what would have happened. That is not what happened, as you can tell, and you've heard before. Uh, but what I really want to focus on is the next five years, because uh, sometime in January in 2015, my sobriety date is one one fifteen, and that's a complete accident. It just happened to be that that's the day. I like to 
um, Brad was in here the other day and he couldn't remember. He knew his sobriety day was on March the 15th or the 16th. He couldn't remember because he did not intend to get sober that day. Uh, I actually remember having to kind of count back because I was doing this pretend like I was sober deal where nobody was looking, I could drink. And when, uh, you know, as I danced around and did things and there was a, for whatever reason, I wouldn't drink in front of my kids because I didn't want them to catch me, A, uh, it really wasn't any kind of noble pursuit that I didn't want to drink in front of the kids, but I couldn't, of course, you know, I was out on bail and I couldn't be drinking. And, and, and I didn't want them to catch me. And if they caught me, they would tell their mom and, you know, and next to one thing or the other it had nothing to do with them not wanting to drink in front of my kids. Uh, you may hear a giggle once in a while. I have a guest in the studio today because I've done these Dan's musings before. And, and if I'm sitting there talking to myself, it just feels kind of funny. I know a lot of podcasting guys. Well, it's a lot, I don't know that for sure. I assume some people do podcasts or sitting there doing what I do and sitting uh, and talking to themselves. Uh, but I invited a friend over. So I had somebody to speak to. And uh, that uh, and I like that. Plus some additional energy in the room. Uh, so getting back to that. I was pretending to be sober, so I had to count back and actually come up with a sobriety date. And, and I really still, to this day, I've just landed on that and accepted it and took it and used it. Uh, I know it's really, really close. Uh, I know I drank on New Year's Eve that year. I didn't make it to midnight, and then I didn't drink again. Um, it's a little bit fuzzy, but back in, of course, this is five years later, too, so it's interesting that... Uh, that it seems to be a little clearer today than sometimes. Uh, it doesn't really matter. That is the date I, that, that, I, that, that I, I have not had a drink or a drug since that day, period. I do know that for a fact. So the next five years. And man, what a ride it's been. You know, I was going to that meeting looking for a sponsor. I was feeling juice in a room and hearing guys share at a level that I was uh, not hearing in the other meetings I went to. Uh, I won't say it wasn't being said. I will say I didn't hear it. Maybe it was happening someplace else, but I heard it from these guys. And uh, and one day I walked in there and, and, and told those guys what was going on with me. I had been hiding that, you know, doing the thing when you go into a meeting saying, you know, how you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. All's well. And... Uh, and, you know, today I know when uh, I know when somebody comes up and tells me that I know when they're full of crap and when they're not uh, most of the time. Uh, and I'm sure they knew I was full of crap. But one day I finally told them what had happened. And uh, the guy who I wished would sponsor me and you all probably heard that in the other story, the guy who I wanted to ask to sponsor me uh, never raised his hand as a sponsorship call. And that night after the meeting, uh, after me pouring out my guts, he walked up and uh, and, and offered to sponsor me. And I started doing this work and now I have these uh, reflections back to those days because I'll work with people today who don't think this is going to work or who have some particular panic or some crisis in their life at a particular moment. And uh, my experience is if you do this work and you stay on this path, things work out for you. And generally they work out for you better than you could have imagined. If you would have wrote your own script, you would have sold yourself short. And, uh, and I remember my sponsor giving me that kind of advice back then. And to me, it sounded really light. A little noise does not matter in here. This is not a sterile environment. Uh, I, I kind of also look over. Sometimes my compressor kicks on. Sometimes my Bluetooth speaker up there says power off. Uh, sometimes the dogs are barking. 
sometimes something falls off a wall. So, uh, giving me this advice that frankly I thought was rather weak, you know, um, I'd be having a problem and, you know, it'd be, um, this would be an opportunity for you to, uh, really rely on your higher power to carry you through this. Uh, when we do this work, things work out. And, and those didn't seem like, you know, I needed some concrete. I felt like I needed some concrete solutions, something like go through, uh, go do this, go serve at the homeless shelter, you know, some kind of real, real concrete something, uh, Instead, instead, it was usually, uh, okay, what step are you on? Where are we at in the work? Let's keep on working. Let's get to the next step. Let's get that uh, third column in the fourth step done and move forward. And the thing was is that it did keep on working out. And I get to give that advice today and watch it. And guys don't, you know, I can hear in their heart, I can hear in the voice that what I'm offering them doesn't seem like it's enough. But it turned out to be way more than enough. I, uh... I walked through those steps, and man, that seems like so long ago now. Uh, I was on. I ended up being sentenced to a year of home incarceration, and a, and a year on probation, and actually a third year. I got sentenced to three years: one on home incarceration, one on probation, and one to be suspended pending successful completion of the other two. Uh, I'm sure most of you guys know that means that I had three years waiting for me if I screwed up, and. Uh, but my biggest fear was not that I would screw up on purpose, my, or you know, because I knew I wasn't going to cross a line on purpose. There was just too much on on the line to do that. Uh, what I was afraid of is I was going to break a rule that I wasn't aware of, or something like that, or not do something that I was supposed to be doing that I wasn't aware of. And in that regard, I would uh, end up getting in trouble. And there was a lot of close calls in that area, too. And I, that close call is probably not exactly the right term, but some places where I got called out on uh, one thing or another. And, uh, and the fact of the matter was I didn't know the rules. And I've shared on that here, too. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. But, and I really don't want to spend a whole lot of time in that old because I really want to talk about this fifth year specifically. Um, you know, guys that were going places, and I couldn't just do what I wanted to do that first year. And that was great in some ways because, like, when people were doing, like, re re when a friend got married and there was going to be a wedding and a, and a reception and a potentially dangerous situation for an alcoholic to be hanging around in, I couldn't go. Uh, home incarceration doesn't allow you to do those kind of things. And so I was actually spared a whole lot of stuff there. But what I was doing uh, for a guy who's on home incarceration, I wasn't home much. I slept here. I, you know, I was allowed to get up, take the kids to school. Uh, I worked. Uh, I would either go straight to recovery meetings after work or pick up the kids and take them to the various activities they needed to be at. Uh, I was going to seven to eight, usually meetings a week, at least one a day and sometimes two. Uh, I had to schedule those in advance, though. So you, if you were going to the Wednesday night meeting, you had to put that on a piece of paper and turn it in last Friday, and you had to go to it. And I remember one time there snowed out uh, a meeting, you know, and, and, and end up having to call down there and tell them, you know, I couldn't be at the meeting that I was going to because uh, there wasn't one. Uh, and believing that I was going to get in trouble for that, uh, I, they would ride around and look for me. I didn't have a GPS tracked device. I had a device that talked to a breathalyzer in my house, so it knew when I was coming and going from home. So the flip side of that is if I got home early, they'd be wanting to know why I was I home early and I didn't go to my meeting. 
If I'm out tooling around burning time, if I was to get pulled over or something was to happen like that, I'd be in trouble. And there was a couple times where I was in buildings and uh, be asked later on about it because they would come by with some kind of device that could tell if I was there or not, some kind of surveillance device, and they could aim it at the building or something like that and tell if I was in there or not. And uh, there was a couple times that I, they had asked me questions to that effect. Um, so that could have happened too. But I was able to do a lot. You know, they did. They actually helped me recover. They, they, there was a sign on the wall down there that, that said about how they were looking to help people get better, how to reduce, and I hate this word. There's a few words in my life I hate. One of them is burglary. I can't say it. I don't know. Maybe it's because I am one. And uh, the recidivism said to help reduce recidivism. And I had to go home and look that up, see what it was. That means reoffending. Uh, and they really did, and I didn't believe it at first. And and time went by, and I got well. And and I tell that one little story about going down to the place, and they told me I should be going. You know, I could be going seeing my parents more than I was, and I didn't know the rules. And she got out the rule book out of a drawer in her desk and asked me, if, well, "You didn't get one of these?" And I was smiling. No, I didn't get one of those. And she very carefully slid it back in her desk drawer and looked at me like, uh, "What did this dude do that they didn't even give him the rule book?" Today, I know why they didn't give me the rule book, and uh, it's because Higher Power protected me from that. And had I known that I had a few mulligans in that I was able to do, I could screw up a little bit more than I had been. Uh, that was in the rule book. I didn't know that. Uh, I, was, I was down the path of recovery before that came to light, and it was no longer. I wasn't in the danger zone I was early on. So, uh, And I also go from there to saying, you know, that whole concept on not having the rule book uh, parallels my life in 12-step recovery too by having these rules today that I felt all my life I never had. I didn't have a guidebook on how to do this thing. All I did was watch you and what you did and if you seemed to be succeeding in what you were doing uh, that looked like something I should be doing. If you were failing at what you were doing it looked like something I probably should stay away from. Uh, later on in life uh, those same tools kind of flipped on me and, uh, and, and when you were doing look what looked to be fun things regardless if it was good for me or not uh i started doing that but so i got this rule book now or i have it's not rules but i have a guidebook now today to a way of being a way to operate and i'm gonna get around to that way of being a little bit more here in a minute uh, i do want to hit on a couple of things you know my buddies went to uh to a local forestry and had a daytime retreat one time and uh and i couldn't go they wouldn't let me cross the county line and um, they also went down to, to the Abbey of Gethsemane and, and went and had a meeting down here with a monk brother of ours. And, and, and I couldn't go because it was across the county line. And I had a, lot of, you know, a whole lot of missing out when I couldn't be doing that with these guys. It was a problem for me. And, uh, but by the time uh, November that year came around, um, I was offered a chance to get off the ankle bracelet. And I did. I obviously took that. What are you going to do? No, no, say no. Uh, and went into this thing called day reporting where I needed to call uh, my angel down there, Janine. I, I call her my angel because she really did help me out and supported me. Like, uh, And I do believe she was an angel put in my life uh, to help me get better, help me with this whole uh, turning my life around deal. And she, uh, I had to call her every day, which wasn't any big deal because I was already calling a sponsor every day and just added that to the list of people I was calling every day and, and did that. And... Uh, we started talking about doing another retreat in the springtime and, and, and they were talking and there were some issues with some privacy at the park they went to, you know, there's people walking by and wanted to talk to them and, you know, and, and just being friendly. 
and uh, they want someplace more private. And I happen to have a place that's very private, but I didn't think anybody would want to drive all the way down there to it. Um, and I started entertaining that, and 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 I asked my sponsor about it, and and he was totally juiced with doing it. I mean, just instantly uh, encouraging, like he is with almost everything uh, that that is juicy that comes down the pike. And we did that, and I and I put on and invited guys, and uh, and had a had a men's retreat, and there I am, you know. Uh, 14 months sober or something like that and, and hosting a men's retreat down at down at the place well, probably 17 months what was that a year and five months sober have a retreat down there and uh and guys came and we had a great time uh and and we had another one in the fall and i had another one in the spring and this past may we had i, I hosted the sixth one and, and I want to make it real clear, as I make clear all the time, it sounds like I'm talking about me, like I'm tooting my own horn. I am not. What I am tooting is the, this 12-step lifestyle and what can happen and what happened to me sharing my experience as I walk this path. And, and as you've heard, the miracles that, uh, that, have, that have come about in my life as a result of doing this. Uh, I know it's a higher power working. I know it's the group working. Uh, that's a higher power also, and and that's what does this. So I just want to be really clear that it's that that it sounds like I'm talking about me. It is the program that is doing this stuff. Yes, I've taken some action towards that direction. I did look up the other day miracle. Somebody said I was sharing about miracles. He said miracle is really not a big enough word, and I was like, well, yeah, you know, but. Uh, there's a lot of times that our English language is a little bit insufficient for describing certain things. And I actually looked it up. It says uh, one of these one of these dictionaries says an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. That is one definition of a miracle. An extremely outstanding or unusual event, thing or accomplishment. A divinely natural phenomenon experienced experienced humanly as the fulfillment of spiritual law and i really like that one a divinely natural phenomenon experienced experienced well i can't say that word let me start over a divinely natural phenomenon experienced humanly as the fulfillment of spiritual law i really like that uh you know i say all the time i've got these things that happen and i call them spiritual axioms i don't really even know what else they are but they're like gravity to me they're laws that happen and when you work the steps your life gets better uh when you uh you follow this path miracles happen in your life uh it just it's just it's in um if you keep a positive attitude good things come to you if you have a crappy attitude bad things come to you uh it's just spiritual law spiritual axioms so uh, these miracles that happened in my life like that of having that retreat and, and I hit on one, one of them because I'm going to kind of fast forward. So we started doing that. Guys started asking me to sponsor them. Uh, I had some bumps in the road in the beginning and people poofing out and, and deciding they're not going to stay sober. I had a guy come to sit on my couch for a third step prayer and said something that really still sticks in my head today, you know, because I ask a guy to go think about it before he's going to make this. The book says we thought well before taking this step. And I wanted him to think about it. I send every one of my sponsees to think about that. I won't let him do this third step prayer with me right now. I want you to go home and at least sleep on it and then make a decision if you're going to continue down this path. And this guy sat on my, on my, on my couch and said, well, I prayed about it and I don't want to. 
And I said, well, okay, uh, that works for me. Uh, and we shook hands. I saw him a couple more times. I haven't seen him since. Um, but I've had some bumps in the road, and, and, then, uh, and then some guys walked up and, and walked into my life who uh, were, were ready. Let's just put it that way. We're ready to do the deal and to start start actually doing this. And, and I love what my sponsor told me in the beginning was, is that uh, don't worry about it, Dan. You're not really sponsoring these guys. I'm sponsoring them through you. So I leaned on him as he helped me guide these men through the work. And I started watching them get well. And I started seeing miracles happening in their life. And just like my sponsor had taught me of looking at things from a different angle, uh, I could help these guys look at things from a different angle and see uh, what might be uh, considered a coincidence otherwise as maybe being, or not maybe, as being a result of this work and, and traveling this path. More miracles, that is. And, and I've, had a, I've had just a phenomenal, a phenomenal string of sponsees come into my world since then, and they continue to do so today, and there's really nothing in my life that it, there is nothing, nothing more fulfilling in my life today than to walk somebody through this work, watch the lies, lights come on in their eyes, and watch their families heal, watch them heal, and watch them become a, a fulfilled, productive, uh, serenity-seeking and, and, and catching human being. And I want to give that to anybody that wants it today. And that's the reason why I'm behind this uh, podcast microphone today is to help try to spread this message as far as I can freaking spread it. If I had a mountaintop to stand on top of and yell this out, I would be doing that. A couple of those years, and, uh, you know, I'd spoke about John had uh, asked me to sponsor him, and he was on the on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, the guy that just celebrated six years. And, and, and I meant to mention that. I don't know if I mentioned it in the podcast or not, but he was the first guy to mention, uh, doing a fifth step at the cabin where we hold the retreats. And I initially, uh, rejected that idea because it wasn't mine. And, uh, but it didn't take long to come around to thinking about how fantastic an idea that was. And although logistically it was a little bit difficult because it is an hour drive away, uh, instead of just coming and meeting someplace here in town, uh, we went down and, and, and did an eight and did a fifth step and he did six and seven down there and we went to bed and got up the next morning and, uh, and it was magic. Another miracle. And from that point forward, I've done every single fifth step with everybody that I have sponsored down there and the same thing happens. And, uh, and in 1999, while we were building that cabin down there, uh, and, and I was drinking beer from the moment that we got there to the time that we went to bed, um, I had no idea that was God's plan for that place. That some 20 years later, I'm going to be doing fist steps down there and holding men's retreats at that location. And uh, some, may, some may question that. I do not. Uh, I see that now, and I'm thinking, wow, that is very cool. Because uh, it's really, I mean, the miracle of building that cabin was one thing. But to find out that that's the ultimate purpose of it was to be doing what we're doing down there now uh, is just, just mind-blowing to some extent. Um, it, it's completely changed the energy down there. So I've been standing around listening to guys uh, for years. And, and, and I remember one of the guys that I've, 
early on when I was pretty early in recovery was getting a five-year token. And he had talked about how difficult the fifth year was. And it had been the hardest. And also, uh, I've been catching these people, and I don't know, there must be a little joke going around someplace because they'll ask you what you, when you're, what, how long you've been sober or whatever. And when you tell them, they'll tell you, that's the toughest year. And, uh, and I know they're just doing that as a joke kind of thing. But it still, uh, still catches me. But I did take note of how many people said that fifth year was tough. I also heard, uh, and that was shared last uh, in in John John's podcast about the um, like the fifth year also was being that uh, that milestone where where like you've turned a corner into what will be considered long term recovery. Uh, I don't really know what that means exactly, but I, I'm just passing along what these ears have heard. So I paid attention to that fifth year thing, and, and I would like to tell you that I took that into the equation as I went into my fifth year and and although I have been listening uh, I'll just tell you say higher power had uh, put some things into my life this past year that uh, made that easy or easy traveling today is easy it is you'll hear a lot of people talk about waking up every morning with alcoholism uh, raging alcoholism every day I wake up and I got to do this and that alcoholism is outside the parking lot doing push-ups waiting for me to come out the door and all that that has not been my experience Uh, and I'm not doubting that it is somebody's but it's not been mine Uh, I am not suffering from day-to-day alcoholism yes that thing is back in there and I get some real goofy thinking going on and there's been a couple events happening actually just in the last day the last day or two that have uh have rattled me a little bit you know but i got tools today and people to reach out to so uh it doesn't even really scare me you know there's no kind of real big deal about it because i feel in that safe and protected zone that i've got too much support around me to to worry about it uh of course in in all this stuff is this too shall pass you know whatever's going on today is probably even the biggest thing that's happening right now in a year or two or who knows you know some point in the future uh, I will have forgotten about it unless somebody reminds me. And and that's the same thing that's going on with this stuff that's happening in my life today. Uh, I'm not going to get, I, I was an inch from getting into some of it, but I'm not going to do that in respect to the uh, other people. So last year, towards the end of the year, uh, I had been doing this yoga practice all the time, was really getting into it. Uh, a friend of mine had become a teacher, the one that introduced me, and uh, I'll just say her name. Uh, Renee had introduced me into uh, into yoga in, 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 I think that was in August of 2016. And I had developed a pretty regular practice and was loving it. Uh, that power vinyasa that is done here locally at 502 Power Yoga just does it for me. Um, a couple weeks ago, my buddies all joined up. We started going, and they're getting hooked on it too. Uh, one day, we had five of us at a practice, and and uh, and I and I saw, you know, they walked out. The words that was used as they walk out of this yoga is "I felt high," you know, and that is what is cool is to be getting high on on life without any external substances being put into us. That is, you know, we got to find something in recovery. We have to find something in our life that will replace what we had and it's got to be better than what we used to have because if it's not better than that old shit we will go back to the old shit it's just again spiritual axiom and that stuff's hard to replace so i love watching the glow come on and those guys and uh and 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 it's just a blast to 
to, to sweat together and, and watch that happen. So to get back to that other thing, you know, I joined and decided that I would uh, go to yoga, te- yoga teacher training. And that sounds like something, you know, and, and I knew it wasn't. But, you know, a lot of people might sit around and think yoga teacher training is some kind of like learning to do poses and, and uh, I don't know what else you might be uh, thinking it is. And, and, and I don't know what it is anyplace else either. I know what I did. What I did was a very strenuous, very uh, emotionally charged um, practice that tested our boundaries, tested our limits on where who we thought we were. We did a lot of introspection and inquiry work where we did like what, what in the 12-step world would be considered like fourth-step-ish, like inventory work of writing stuff down. Uh, we would practice our asses off and then sit and meditate with some kind of intention and see what would come out. And then we would journal on whatever we meditated about afterwards at times. We did a whole lot of stuff. I mean, uh, it was not just learning how to do downward dog and chaturangas. Although we did learn that too. <laughs> and, and my main goal in it was to help strengthen my home practice. I, I don't know if I, I did have some ideas about maybe moving into some kind of yoga 12-step thing like what uh, has been going on around. Uh, that just hasn't materialized. Uh, the way I like to look at it is I just say the, uh, the door just hasn't came open on that yet. And I don't know that it will or won't. But today I'd have some, uh, I walk in a pair of shoes that knows which direction they're going. And if, it, and I don't make them go in directions that are not, uh, that, that's, that's not in alignment with, with who I am and where I'm going today. And teaching just hasn't came into that today. Um, don't know why. Don't worry about it. Uh, super glad I went and did it. It was a huge accomplishment for me. And also, uh. You know, we talk about some things around, the, you know, our friends in our circle, man, we say we do hard shit in recovery. We do things that is hard, and we come out the other side of it. Uh, I don't dodge pain anymore. I don't dodge difficult situations. I'm able to do that. And yoga inspired that. Uh, you know, if you could sit there, I, I think on the first night, you know, and I almost hate to hesitate to say this because I think someone's letting the cat out of the bag and I have to be careful when I talk about the other very impactful thing that I did this particular, this past year. Uh, but when you can practice yoga like all day on Saturday, you are a freaking badass. I don't care who you are. I, it, it is hard to do that and then come back on Sunday and do it again. And these were four day weekends. We go there after work on Thursday afternoon, like 5 p.m. to like 9 p.m. Friday night from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., and Sunday from, uh, I don't remember, 9 a.m., 8 a.m., someplace like that, until 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. That's four hard days. My buddy Charlie, uh, who's been on the podcast, he's in teacher training right now. He'll 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 graduate in March, and uh, he was actually going to do it at the same time I did, but at that time he was... Uh, uh, he had asked me to sponsor him, and, and he was new to in recovery. Y'all heard his podcast not long ago when he was uh, right about his one-year mark, and he came in and told his story. And uh, uh, my advice to him was to just do this work. And if you can remember early in the beginning of this podcast when my sponsor told me, hey, Dan, yeah, I know you got all those problems, you got all this, but let's just do this. Let's just do this work. And I think you can, uh, you know, you make a demonstration to your higher power and that, 
You know, and if you want to call it this, you know, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not sure where this thing is. You make a demonstration to your innermost self that this is your number one priority is to get sober and to get this work and get these steps under my belt. And then when I do that, you know, you get the results that, that, are, that, are, that everybody else is getting that, that, is, that are promised. So that's the advice I gave him back then, too, was to uh, just do this. And he did. And here he is a year later, and he signed up for yoga teacher training. And now he's got a, a year of recovery under his belt, and he's in there kicking ass. And he's a, uh, he, is a, he is a genuine yoga badass. He, uh, he, 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 he's something else. I love practicing with Charlie. He uh, inspires me to work really hard, too. But then the flip side of that is it also inspires me to know that I don't have to keep up with Charlie either. Uh, I can practice my practice. So yoga teacher training, that was just, uh, you know, so many times words just aren't adequate for like explaining how meaningful it was to me, how much it moved me, how much it launched my recovery forward from the beginning of coming around here. There's been some things add to the qual add to the quality of your life, uh, Add to those things which improve the quality of your life in recovery. Add to. I smell more. Bill, the big book says continue to improve your conscious contact with your higher power. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the same thing as my own conception of God. Uh, I was improving the conscious contact with my higher power through learning to, uh, through going through that yoga teacher training. It's almost boot campy. It's hard. At the end of it, you know you did something. Uh, you can put you, you, you know, all those things build self-esteem, right? We come in here and we don't have any self-esteem. We got to come in here. We think we're not, you know, we think we've, you hear it all the time. I, I screwed this up. I'm so stupid. I messed this up. I did, you know, and uh, all that stuff. I got turned around and got, you know, it, 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 my sponsor had let me know that stuff was the powerlessness of this disease, not uh, stupid, not dumb. And, uh, every time I can do a good turn, that puts a check mark on my, uh, puts a marble in my marble jar of self-esteem so that I can begin to be feeling like I deserve to share oxygen with the rest of you guys. Graduated yoga teacher training. Well, that was a, the last, the graduation was on a Sunday and the Friday before that I got turned loose of a job I had 28 years in. And again, I don't believe in coincidences. I thought, wow, ain't that a trip, man? I'm uh, I got laid off on the on uh, on a Friday, and my t yoga teacher training graduation was on the following Monday. Once again, you know, something looked like it was something bad. Although I knew my heart wasn't in it anymore, I just wasn't. I was just not liking to go to work anymore. And early on in recovery, my 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 sponsor told me, you know, it'd be uh probably would want to. Reevaluate what you want to do for a career at some point. You know, you don't have to be married to this stuff if you don't want to be. And when you are, uh, once you recover your very soul, your very spirit, and you get that away from the dope and the booze and whatever else is covering you up and burying you and putting you on the bottom of the victim pile, uh, when that's off of you, you're going to have new opportunities. And uh, so I just took that in stride too. You know, I mean, obviously it was a huge shock. You know, the next day I wasn't getting up, going to the same place I've been going at to for 28 years. They treated me really well coming out of there, and, and I got no hard feelings in that direction at all. As a matter of fact, today I will tell you they did me a huge favor because that was a big, giant security blanket that you would have had a hell of a time dragging me off of. As much as I dislike getting up in the morning and going there and doing the mindless corporate America bullshit that I was doing there, uh, 
it was still very comfortable and it had a lot of security wrapped around it. So uh, I'll say it this way. The higher power just ripped me from that uh, security blanket, just took it right off of me. And, uh, and, and I kept on going forward. And, you know, and I knew, you know, and I remember going to the meeting on the Tuesday night after that, you know, and some guys were talking about some stuff and there was somebody else had lost a job. And he was really in a pinch, you know, and I just really wasn't too worried about it for me. And then I didn't even share about it that night because I didn't want, I could tell that guy was hurting and it would have felt a little bit like a one-upmanship kind of thing if I would have said what happened to me, you know, that I lost my job after X of many years. And I just stayed quiet about it. I have such a fantastic support group today that I don't necessarily have to go into a meeting and dump my shit. I have friends. I have a sponsor to call. We had this group me thing and these, these group chats where, you know, I, ultimately I never need to dump stuff in a meeting anymore. I got I got a 24-7 dump site where if I've got something going on that I need to share and get off my stuff or need some support on, I don't have to wait to the Tuesday night meeting. I don't have to go find an AA meeting to do that in. Miracles. More of them. Miracles. So, after my big giant gulp, I lost that a job and uh, gave it away or whatever, took away from me, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and I had a lot of fun for a little bit. And uh, one day somebody called me up and asked me if I could, uh, it was a realtor friend of mine, asked me if I could put a holocaust door in a house that they were trying to sell and it was on the inspection checklist. And I said, sure. And I gave her a price and they took it and I went over and did it. And I thought, hell, I'm pretty good at this. And I started thinking about, who I'm pretty good at a lot of things. You know, I've got this wood shop, man, and, and there just really ain't much I can't do with my hands. It's a matter of how about how big a job, you know, but there's not much, uh, I can do a lot of things. I can be proud of that today. And I, uh, job started falling my lap to do uh, handyman work, and I started promoting myself a little bit doing that. And one thing led to another, and uh, wood shop work is picking up. I get to spend time out here, you know, for those months I was pretty free, was able to pick up the kids. My, I get to run my own schedule now. Uh, Again, you know, what one thing I thought that was something bad was happening to me. You know, I could have looked at that loss of a job as something bad and turned out to be something great. Uh, that particular, this past May, I'll jump back just a little bit. No, that was, that was in March. So in May, we had our six men's retreat, six one. And uh, we call it spurt. And it's kind of a triple entendre or maybe quadruple or something. And, uh, um, I picked up the acronym trying to figure out what to call it because it's, it, it, I just throw together and I mean and I invented this off the cuff and and I know it's a it's a reach, but it's S P U R T which is spiritual underground retreat. Uh, I looked at it and I liked it because it's also an opportunity for a growth spurt. Uh, the triple one I'll leave to your all's imagination. The uh, I started having them and guys were coming, you know, and we would have anywhere from a guy with a month of sobriety or less uh, to guys in the 30s. And, and it just was just magic. And guys would talk about how much it touched them when they got home and then how much more they felt, you know, how much more connected they felt to the group. And guys who didn't really know each other that awful well, you know, we see each other one week, one night a week in a meeting, would uh, spend some time each, with each other. And we'd all spend time together out there in the country and no cell phones and all that and and get to know each other better and build these connections and and this past may i uh you know i'm always hunting because people a people don't show up to say they're coming b there's people it's kind of tough to find once you find it it's pretty easy but the first time it's a challenge especially if you wait until after dark 
Uh, it's a hell of a lot easier to find that place in the daytime than it is in the dark. So every once in a while, I go out and I uh, check the telephone. I go up to the top of the hill and check the telephone, and uh, I'll tell two stories. Friday night, I'm sitting there and uh, realize, and a friend of mine said it, uh, Juice Man said, you wonder where Brian's at? And it started eating on me, and I had a real urge, like a drive to go in the middle. We're having a meeting, y'all. I mean, we're sitting around in a meeting at my damn retreat, and I have this urge to leave. And uh, I want to get on a four-wheeler and, and and go up to the top of the hill and check on Brian, this other guy. And uh, and it was strong, and I did. And there's about a, I don't know, a quarter-mile spot up on the road where you have cell service. And I went up to the top of the hill and uh, texted him, and I caught him in that quarter-of-a-mile spot where he had service, and he was going home because he couldn't find it. And I was able to guide him back in there. Uh, super cool and just you know again that that sixth sense that the book talks about this thing and and again this ain't me this is that deal that's this is this higher power and it's beginning to uh, have some reliance on it and allowing that uh, what used to be the hunch the what used to be the occasional hunch begins to be a working part of the mind so the next day I'm up there and uh, we're expecting somebody and I don't can't, you know, so I go up and check the phone. He ain't here. I go up and check the phone and I have a voicemail and it is from my sister-in-law. And uh, it is telling me that uh, him and that her and my brother have uh, decided to stop drinking. And uh, I look down and know that I could hear the chatter from the cabin. Had 32 men down there hanging around doing uh, doing recovery. And uh, my brother had helped, obviously, build that cabin and, and is half-owner of it. And, uh, and we did all that drinking and doping. And here I'm at a men's retreat down there and get the news that they are uh, stopping. They're going to uh, seek recovery also. And to me, that is like, you know, more miracles. You know, just plain and simple. Um, that was May... So what's that make? Some uh, nine months or so ago now, and he's still sober. We had a sober Christmas together. He joined me at my fifth anniversary the other day. Uh, came to my home group meeting, and my dad and my daughter and uh, and my son, or my my dad, my daughter, and my brother were sitting there, and that's a miracle. Uh, my son was working, and that's a miracle too. Uh, <laughs> that's like the third time I've told that joke now. But uh, he was working and uh, and and couldn't be there. But it was uh, and I had other friends that had came just for that uh, that weren't part of this group and 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 came to celebrate with me the other night. And and there's no way I could have talked my brother into uh, wanting recovery. No way. Um, but higher power decided uh, that was what was going to happen, and and it did. So I want to talk about one more experience I had this year. That uh, one of them was I turned fifty, so that's cool, and I don't feel fifty at all. Uh, I, I, a great deal of the guys I run around with and people in my recovery circles are ten or more years younger than me, and uh, or you know in the nine, ten somewhere in that neighborhood years younger than me, and uh, and it just doesn't feel like it. I get, I'm not sure if they I'm not sure if they look up look at me as older, uh, but I don't look at them. I look at us on level playing field. I don't see age as being a difference. Uh, I do remember looking up at other older people and thinking that they're older, and I still do that today. You know, I look uphill and I think that guy's old. 
but I don't look, you know, went on a fantastic vacation. Uh, that was a blast. Um, and then I had another life-changing event happen in, uh, in September. Uh, well, got, it's actually like in August, a friend of mine, dog man, you'd heard him on here too. He invited me to come to a men's work intro to men's work circle at a yoga studio and i kind of find it a little ironic because uh i don't know if it was being held someplace beside a yoga studio if i'd have went i was totally open to the yoga right so i was totally open to go into this men's work thing that was being held at a yoga studio uh, but when i went what it was was an introduction to what is called the mankind project and uh it's a worldwide organization and nationwide also, and and it's a place where men can go to do uh, to do work. That we can go do men's work, look at our issues among safe in in, in a safe environment. Uh, they developed a number of processes and things to help us work through certain issues and to uh, certain tools to handle different situations. Uh, my favorite little. And you know, y'all heard me say favorite about a bunch of stuff too, right? So I mean, you know that I've only got like about one million different favorite things. One of my very favorite things out of the mankind thing was the fact that they called the uh, the circles of men a safe and tight container, where you can come and bring your whole self. And I love that they would say, uh, "Bring all of you, your darkness, your light, your shadows." And they have some archetypes: the king, the warrior, the lover, and the magician. And they correlate those things to the different ways we behave, and uh, and I really want to, you know I am going to long I'm going to tell you I'm a long way from being well versed in that, but it intrigues me and it gave me uh, another set of tools on top of this twelve step stuff. So in the beginning of the year I got a lot of these uh, tools that came from the yoga community and the yogic principles because yoga is not just poses, yoga is as much a way of life as twelve step philosophy is a way of life, and. Uh, and I was able to put those tools in my pocket or in my tool belt. I've all of a sudden felt a little bit of a chill in here, like it's getting cooler. But the thermometer says it's 69, so that's a good temperature. And uh, then with the Mankind Project, I also was able to add more tools in my belt. And I, and I immediately started seeing that. It was not too awful long after that. What it was, the first weekend was a... Uh, so I went to that yoga thing. They talked about this new warrior training weekend that was coming up in September. As I said earlier about the door, some people had been inviting me to mankind before, but like I, and, and like this is just a little bit of a metaphor, but I would look over my shoulder at the door and the door wasn't all the way open. So I, it just wasn't right for me. And today I trust that today. And when uh, I got out of that man's, that intro to men's work circle that night, uh, I looked over my shoulder and the door was open. So I said, sign me up. And I had no idea what I was walking into. I'm very uh, grateful to the men in my life who knew what I was walking into but did not tip me off to it. Uh, one of the ways when people want to know what happened, uh, what I tell them, as I said, here's the deal. If I tell you what happened, this has got the same energy. It's a little bit like if people were having a surprise birthday party for you and I told you about it in advance. And I said, so I'm just going to stay quiet about what's going on and why we're, what, what, what happened. And I said, I'm forever grateful for the men around me because I know, for instance, there was one guy who was there with us who had been tipped off to what was going to happen. And he knew some of that. And I'm very glad that I didn't. 
But it was a earth-shaking weekend. And uh, you okay? Yeah. What do you need? Do you need something? Good. Did it? Take a drink the wrong way. Uh, the uh, weekend was fantastic. Uh, you're isolated, no telephones, out in the country. We drove a while. They encouraged us to take friends. And it's interesting that there's a parallel there because I encourage people to go to uh, come to the retreat and groups and carpool. And because part of the fun is riding down together and riding home together. And, uh, and also, I think if you're with somebody, you can't chicken out. You know, if, if there's three other guys in the car with you and you get there, uh, if I was by myself, I might be tempted to bolt. But when I'm with them, I'm going to walk through the gate and I'm going to go in. And so we did that. And um, it was, uh, I met three new friends and we chatted all the way down. And we're, we continue to be friends. We're talking about scheduling a retreat for that maybe come uh, come the fall or sometime. And, uh, and then I kind of giggled internally about, okay, we've been having these men's recovery retreats down there. Now it looks like maybe I will have a mankind men's retreat down to the cabin. Um, coming up and uh, continue to add to those things which improve the quality of my life in recovery. Um, I, I don't, you, there's a little bit of writing on, uh, and you actually sign a waiver about not talking about mankind and the specific processes and stuff. So, you know, obviously I wouldn't want to bore you with those particular details anyway, but I was introduced into some, introduced to some stuff and I've talked a little bit about it on here. Uh, one of my, one of the things in, um, that had come out right off is that not too awful long after my mankind stuff and I went to what was called a primary integration training, which was a 10 week training, uh, training um on in three hours a night for 10 weeks and it was on a night in my home group too so i was you know i was making a pretty good sacrifice of missing my home group meeting for 10 weeks to go do this but i just felt in my heart that it was the right thing to do and uh the very next fifth step i did with somebody my toolbox was so much fuller to be able to help this person see and and comfort this person and to help them with the fits in their fifth step and and it just just continue to put tools in my toolbox it's um we do some other things you know i've I've learned to like you know do i love the way that david dog man is just straightforward with you as a man-to-man thing he don't mince no words you know he you can t- you know he's shooting you straight i know that when he comes up and says something to me uh that it's that it's that that i'm not going to be toyed with by that man He's going to be shooting me straight, and, and I love the energy that Dave brings into my life. And that's one of the big giant lanterns that guided me towards the Mankind Project to begin with. And some of the tools, and that tools is with stuff that I said, you know, you know, theoretically, you know, in some, again, metaphorically kind of metaphoric way, uh, I said, hey, man, where did you get that? And he pointed in the direction of Mankind, and I got it over there. So I went to go see what was over there and went to get those tools myself. And the clearings and the uh, the way they do work on issues in your life, um, the way they work with the four archetypes and the way they, uh, they also uh, work with keeping an eye on your shadow, you know, that little dark thing in the back of your, on the back of your shoulder that wants to tell you you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not rich enough, you're not smart enough. Uh, that person won't like you. Uh, those people don't like, don't really like you. All that crap, that shadow stuff, and how to work with it. 
just continues to increase my stuff and I'm gonna I've obviously signed up they're getting ready to do they just did another weekend uh, here in Louisville and starting up another pit another primary integration training and I uh, I uh, signed up to to do a little staff gig in it and once again I'll be missing my home group when I do that for a f- for a few weeks uh, I don't want to miss birthday nights at our home group because, uh, frankly, I have the honor to give away sobriety tokens most months, and I wouldn't miss that for the world. And uh, so I'm doing a little gig on that too. So if I go back and look at that, and I say, okay, well, that was that carries me through. Uh, the last of pit was towards the end of De- middle of December. So between teacher training, losing my job, we started up the podcast last year so i've been doing this i've had this podcast in my uh, in the fifth year of my recovery doing this putting out new content meeting new people uh getting feedback from all kinds of places uh that's just been huge uh and the other big you know so in, in our night at the meeting i failed to share this too when i talked about when what had happened in my fifth year we also launched tssr 12-step spiritual recovery and having meetings and having normal people come in and pick up these 12-step tools and watching the miracles happen in their lives and their whole, which is what I shared the other night at the TSSR meeting, and this comes from yogic stuff, is that I have a whole new way of being today. My old way of being wasn't working. What's amazing is, is that when it ain't working, I will clutch to it like crazy. And so many of us will do that. We will hold on to it. And you hear people say, I'm just having trouble letting go. And I just can't seem to let it go. And I can't surrender. And, uh, and it's interesting because you go, you know, that is like holding on to a big pile of shit. And I ain't going to drop it. You know, I'm hanging on to it. I'm going to sniff on it. I'm going to hang on to it. I'm going to feel the warmth and run through my fingers. Uh, and, and that's my old life. And I has, and, and, and the fact that when they, that's what another metaphor of looking at that, of these people that are hanging on to this life that is not working for them and the, the, and not being able, not being willing to set that down and do something someone else's way. Let's try something different. So did my first TSSR fifth step in the last few weeks um, with the female crossing rules. They meet rules. TSSR has no rules, and we're going to break all of them. Because uh, by God, I'm going to help anybody I can freaking help. And I don't care what sex you are, what your gender preference is, uh, how old you are. Um, if my higher power and my sponsor give me the green light to help you I'm helping if I can um, I just want everybody to have the life that I'm experiencing today yoga teacher training launching a podcast launching an entire helping to launch an entire new movement of 12-step work where anybody can have these tools you do not have to have an ism in your life to have these 12-step tools in your life I talked about that guidebook earlier Where's your guidebook? Is it working for you today? If not, maybe check out this TSSR thing. I don't know if it'll work for you. Maybe it's yoga you need. Try something different. Or do like I'm doing and putting it all on you. There's a women's side of that, Mankind Project too. And I don't, I think it's called Women's Empowerment, I think. Uh, But you can find it. And if you can't contact me, I can put you in contact with somebody who can help you. 
tools available every place. Mankind Project. So if I look at those things, and I did that at the end of the year, I did a little inventory on what did I, what happened in my past, in my fifth year of recovery, uh, that made it easy. You know what I did? I continued to seek things that would help me grow. Uh, I reached, I took risks. This podcast is a huge risk, man. I put myself out here sitting here right now like this and just being like one-on-one and talking to you on this microphone and hoping somebody out there is listening. Uh, So I'll close up with that. You know what? Stoke this from Eric. uh, I think he goes by uh, Weinstein. Weinstein. And this is a paraphrase because it's not exactly right. The sense-making apparatuses we've been using are not working for a lot of folks. Life don't make sense. They question about why so-and-so's president, why this is happening in the world, why that's happening in the world. Uh, how can these things be, be going on? Uh, the tools we used to be used to make sense of the world are not working for a lot of people. Um, but there's a lot of tools out there that are working for people and there's a new movement afoot and people are doing things like this mankind and doing things like engaging in this yogic lifestyle and taking on these 12 step tools at record paces, uh, lives can be changed and, and the trajectory of your life does not have to be stuck. That's where a lot of people are sitting is in mode of stuck. Pick up. You only get one trip around this big blue marble folks. You know, sit back and look and think, uh, you know, I just went through the motions and I wasn't very happy about it. Is that what you want on your tombstone? I don't think so. It's not what's going to be on mine. Uh, hour long. Thank you for sitting here and listening to me because your energy with me helps me do this. Uh, it's a lot better to be talking to somebody and see a smile and face beside me to uh, talk to. And uh, rather than uh, look at the uh, ohm symbol on the wall or whatever. Um, keep on putting out new stuff. Got guests lined up. Uh, Higher Power wanted me to do another musings this time around, and uh, and it fell flat on a guest. Had a couple of reschedule stuff that happened that caused this, and no big deal. Stuff happens, and um, so I close. I always do. You know, you uh, dtmww.net. Darren Frank's music around this. Go out to Amazon. Get Twelve Step Spiritual Recovery by James Christopher Cohn. Find that website, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery, James Christopher Cohn, uh, or 12stepspiritualrecovery.com. Find it on the Facebook page, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery. You can find the meetings here in Louisville. Start your own meeting someplace else. Uh, you can go through that book and, and do that work on your own. You do not need us to help you with that, but we are here to support you. If you're not having a blast in your own recovery, it's your own damn fault. And thank you all for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner today. Peace out.
always try to be just who they wanted Always try to do everything they said Only did the things they would approve of Lock away all your dreams inside your head Year after year you try to be a good girl They never failed upon how when you were bad It's time.